0: Everyone's Better Than Me, but I'm getting better with Cameron Lindsay. I'm Cameron Lindsay. Boom, 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 boom. If you're listening for the first time, Everyone's Better Than Me is an improvement podcast where I improve with the help of a guest who is better than me at something. But I actually don't like it when people think they're better than me, so I have a little prank that I'm going to pull on them to bring them down to size. But they don't need to worry about that. They are Nick Hernado, a comedian and host of the storytelling mic and show Camp Fire Tales. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, Cameron. Thanks for having me on. I am so excited to talk to you and get better at the topic at hand, which is getting better at horror movies. But, of course, before we can do that, we have to get through the get-to-know-you questions and the fan-submitted questions. So we'll jump right into those, if that's all right.
1: That sounds good. Yeah.
0: First off, as we always start with, how do you and I know each other?
1: Um, we know each other from the comedy scene in Brooklyn. I think it was probably the Backyard Baseball mic where we see each other pretty much every Thursday at, at Easy Lover um, at 6 p.m. Um, yeah.
0: I, that's exactly right. That's what I had written down. Um, the oft-mentioned Backyard Baseball mic. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Um, perfect.
1: Classically, you give a, a different set every week. Um Never, never repeat material with you, which is always very impressive.
0: Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, uh yeah, a little um, boasting on Cameron right at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're, we're
1: buttering you up before I before I bring you down uh, oh, with my extensive knowledge of horror movies.
0: Wonderful. Okay, no, I think that's smart to do. No, no one has revealed their strategy for how they're going to tear me down. Um, <laughs> sort of this early in the episode. <laughs> um but it's good to get it out there well perfect um our next get to know you question is this one you have just shared an uber X with a pregnant woman that was in labor the uber driver tried to get you to the hospital but you ended up having to help deliver the baby in the back seat of this hyundai sonata the new mother is so happy and grateful to you for helping and asks if she can name her baby after you mm-hmm. here's here's the rub the baby is ugly to the max and you can tell it will be a real dick in the future what name do you tell the new mother?
1: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, I, I my worst nightmare, um, for sure. Uh, I never want a baby to ever be named after me, period. Uh, let alone an uggo baby. Um, I would tell her to name that baby Lamryn Kinsey. What the hell? <laughs> Lamryn Kinsey. I, I think Cameron Lindsay would be a little too on the nose but I do want this kid to go around with a name so hideous that everyone's going to make fun of the name and they won't even notice this terrible, terrible face and body proportions.
0: Okay. I think that's probably fair. Uh, And really a generous thing uh, for the baby.
1: Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I'm helping him out. I'm helping him out. Did people ever... Did you get bullied in, in, in school?
0: If I did, I was too busy being awesome to notice it.
1: Oh, okay. Good for you. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, perfect. Our next get to know you question is this one. The greatest works of Nick and Cameron is a new art exhibit opening in MoMA, featuring the best parts of our lives in various artistic media. What would be the featured piece for each of us and what materials would it be made out of?
1: The featured piece for each
0: of us in the MoMA. Yeah, yeah. It's like, a, it's like a whole exhibit that's like the greatest works of Nixon Cameron that like features like the best parts of our lives.
1: Okay, so I think for you it's going to be a full like one-to-one statue of you, but it's also actually not of you. It's that random dude who you sent to the backyard baseball mic pretending to be you. Um, and so for, for the listeners who don't know, uh, on April Fool's Day, Cameron got a friend to dress up in Cameron's signature red jacket, go to the backyard baseball mic. No one knew who this person was. They had never been seen before, but he would keep talking to people as if he were Cameron. And Cameron was speaking in this person's ear through an AirPod, I believe, and uh, telling him what to say. And then he would go up on stage, pretend to be Cameron. It was a very elaborate prank. Anyway, I think the statue would be of that guy, but not only that, it's not really just a statue, it's him inside it. Whoa. He's actually just casted, oh, they just cast it over his body, and he's slowly shriveling away um, and decaying away inside the statue. So I think that'd be the you part. Um, for me, I think just, you know, uh, a good selection of some of my best jokes. Yeah, something simple.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it just displayed as. Uh... It's just
1: displayed, no context. No, no setup even. Just the punchlines. Oh, perfect. Punchlines after punchlines. You read it, and you're like, "It was probably funny." You know, it seems like it. It has it has structure to it. Uh, I'm assuming it's funny.
0: I think that sounds great. Um, Great. Well, uh, MoMA, get at us is all I'll say. Um, Perfect. Those have been the get to know you questions. We'll now jump into the fan submitted questions. We of course have fans all across the world. They send in these questions to uh, sort of get better and ask for advice from our experts. So the first one is this one. Dag blast it. Wouldn't you know that I ran over my own leg again? My car doesn't have brakes, but fortunately it also can't go fast enough to where I can't just stop it by sticking my leg out the driver's door and pressing my foot hard against the tire. Except I forgot that it was in reverse. So instead of slowly slowing the roll of the tire, it just pulled my leg down and crushed it. Now my driver's side leg can no longer be used as a brake. What should I do about stopping my car now? Please, <laughs> no stupid little jokes about how if I had brakes, I wouldn't have gotten my leg shattered into dozens of pieces. And that's from <laughs> Ephrodito Ya'a in <and> Gouillard's France.
1: <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, sending, sending my love all the way to him. Uh, here's the thing. Um, appendages are a dime a dozen, right? You have arms you have hands. You can drive with your sort of uh, flimsy uh, leg that sh- shakes like, like a, it makes a sound like a sack of marbles every time you move it. You can put that on the wheel and then put your arms out the, out the car door and use that to stop it. And that'll probably work. Because it's like, yeah, maybe it'll break your arms, but also it's it's like getting struck by lightning twice. It's just not going to happen.
0: Uh, for what it's worth, he uh, Aphroditos did say, wouldn't you know I ran over my own leg again? So it sounds like it's already happened
1: twice. Well, then um, three times is even less likely. Let yeah, me tell you what. Chance. I'll tell you what. So even better. Even better.
0: It's a very good point, Nick. I, I think that will actually definitely help Aphroditos. So, um, uh, yeah. Much love to Aphroditos. Uh, let's jump on to the next question. Have you ever dreamt of a man you have never seen before, only to see him in real life the very next day? A couple of years ago, I had a recurring dream that featured a man named Richardson. He was a sheep farmer and loved to spend time hiking in the woods. Yesterday, while waiting in line to order a coffee, the man ordering in front of me said his name was Richardson. When the barista said he would have to give more details because several other people who had ordered ahead of him were also named Richardson, he further elaborated about himself and said he was a sheep farmer and loved to hike in the woods. What should I do? Do I tell him? Is there destiny involved here? He ordered a half-calf latte with two pumps of hazelnut syrup, if that matters. And that's from Toshiko Stig in North Bend,
1: Oregon. Okay, I want to point out. I love that that last detail because uh, it actually it really does matter. It really, really does matter. Uh, you can know a lot about a person by the the coffee they drink, and I think the idea that it's fate is is absolute bullshit. Um, it's not fate as a deterministic thing guiding you somewhere. It's it's fate as a thing like pointing you in a direction, but you have choice. Right? You have agency. So, like, if he really wants to make this thing happen, whatever it is you got to do the only logical thing. you got to go kill one of his sheep, take its skin, wrap it around yourself, go in the woods, pretend to be a lost sheep, spray yourself with lavender, the same scent as his favorite coffee, and hope that he herds you in and starts to care for you. And then suddenly you get to know a little bit more about him. Maybe you develop a bond. Maybe you guys start texting more regularly. Something like that.
0: Wonderful. Well, uh, Toshiko, I hope that helped. I can't see how it wouldn't um well those have been the get to know you and fans submitted questions let's jump right into the topic at hand which is getting better at horror movies um I, I, I like to start off with this question a lot because i think uh it really frames the rest of our conversation but um why should i get better at this
1: why should you get better at horror movies i mean right. it's uh it's 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 uh i mean i don't even know how to answer that question it's like why would you want to get better at culture Right, I think there's probably no better look into our culture in any particular moment than the horror films that we're we're putting out at a moment. It speak the 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 things that we deem scary speak very much to uh, the things that we feel are scary in real life. Uh, so you know, for example, um, post nine eleven, we had this. New wave of, of gritty, ultra realistic, uh, occasionally torture, porny horror films. And, and they spoke to this sort of, um, idea of like gruesome violence, uh, that was very available, you know, on television, also like on the internet at a time post 9-11, right? Uh, nowadays we have a lot of, um, what people call, and I'm doing the biggest air quotes in the world, social horror uh that's post get out but also very much post uh the trump election and and even more so post 2020 and everything where horror movies now have a meaning some sort of like social issue is um at the center of it and the horror whatever the monster or anything is a metaphor for that social issue i take issue i take issue with that sort of framing of it because of course horror movies have always been that they've been about social issues the the texas chainsaw massacre which is just about a couple teenagers who uh, basically break into some some hillbilly home and turns out they're all cannibals, uh, was weirdly apparently like a response to the gas crisis and, and what I think like the Nixon era felt like. It was like very all-American but apocalyptic at the same time. And so I think there's just a lot there and, and, and you can learn a lot about where we're at through them.
0: That's really interesting. I I think that that is a compelling argument specifically for uh, horror movies as it's sort of showing um, not just what we fear, but sort of what causes anxiety, um, Mm -hmm. sort of a motivator for a lot of uh, our sort of national social culture. Um, I think maybe in the same way, if you told me a bit about your favorite horror movies, that it would give us some insight into you.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um. I'd say my favorite horror movie would be Scream, the original from 1996. Uh, it is a slasher that came out. Uh, if that came out in 1996, uh, keep in mind that Halloween came out in 1978, and for between then and Scream slashers were all the rage. Every movie was a slasher. You had 10 Friday the 13th films, like maybe eight Nightmare on Elm Street films. It was slasher, 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 and then a bunch of Halloween films, of course. Uh, The American public was super tired of it, similar to the way we might feel about like superhero movies now, except those are probably more entrenched. Um, And so the genre was tired. Everyone kind of knew the rules. It felt cliche. It felt deeply uninspired. And Scream came out sort of to take that awareness of the genre and make it um, sort of the the frame of the film. Because the film was about teenagers who are experiencing, you know, a killer in a mask, right, coming after them. But they're teenagers who have seen too many horror movies. And so they know what they're dealing with. And so they're subverting some of the tropes. Or they're, like, ironically trying to subvert the tropes and then doing the tropes anyway. So there's a there's a line where a character saying, I hate horror movies. It's always like a big-breasted blonde who runs up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. And then a few minutes later, she's getting chased by someone. And she tries to go out the front door, and somehow it actually doesn't work, so she has to go up the stairs. And uh, it's a perfect mix of, of being sort of like smart commentary on the genre, um, being very funny um, and snarky in this very Gen X um, meta kind of way, and then also just being genuinely... So so scary, and it reminds you how good directing. You know, this is Wes Craven, right? Good directing, um, and 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 honestly, just really terrifying writing. Um, for the villain, can can uh, keep a genre that felt as lifeless as a slasher super super fresh in America. Is, um, this,
0: mm-hmm. is this insight into you that uh, sort of something that you find scary is um, sort of uh, maybe not knowing. What to do with all of the information that you have, or like, uh, you know, despite being um, very intelligent, still making a wrong disor- decision—is this—is uh, this inside oh, into you?
1: Um, maybe the latter a little bit. I think to me, so my favorite movies aren't always the movies that scare me the most. I'd say that oh. um, I like screen because I love the ballet of it. I love the character development. I love um, sort of the world it takes place in. But the things that really do scare me, I think, are moments that are about they're usually more grounded they're not the supernatural kind of thing but they're about sudden and dramatic turns it's about a a rug being pulled out from under you and and usually it's in the form of like a character that you thought you could trust is not only untrustworthy but untrustworthy to the most extreme way possible so one moment that I thought that scared me in a film, I always think about it, is like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, the main girl, I forgot her name, the final girl, she's running. She's already encountered the guy with the chainsaw, leather face, and, you know, she's seen all of these terrible horrors of this family, right? That's chasing her down. She runs to the woods and she gets to a gas station, the same gas station we saw at the beginning of the film before anything crazy happened. And uh, she runs in, and the gas station attendant is there. And she's screaming, she's crying, she's like, they're trying to kill me. And he's like, oh, my God, that's terrible. And you kind of know what's going to happen. He's going to help her. But then the guy's gonna with the chainsaw is going to come in. He's going to kill him. And that's the good Samaritan who gets killed. We've seen this trope. And he's like, I'll be right back. He goes. He gets his truck. He drives it up. And so we're just like going from the girl's perspective inside the gas station. We see through the screen door as he opens the truck. He gets out. And instead of the killer coming out to kill this guy, The guy opens the side door and he pulls out some rope. Like that really kind of loose rope. Not like that tight braided rope, but that really Mm -hmm. loose rope. And he holds it and she's like, what? And then he looks at her and then he just starts laughing. And she realizes, oh my God, he's in on it. And then he goes and he takes her. It's that moment where he's not just like, oh, now I have to tie you up. But that he's so looking forward to it that I find very, very frightening.
0: That is, that does sound frightening. Well, um, I, and I think it is a frightening movie. I agree. Um, certainly one of the better ones. Well, maybe I mm-hmm. can share some of my yeah, favorite please. horror films and you can, um, tell me how I can get better about enjoying those. Um, I, so I think I have two that I think are my favorites, but also do frighten me. Um, uh, number one is The Shining. I've, I've mm-hmm. always been terrified of The Shining and it, um, it is definitely one of my favorite movies. Um, there, mm-hmm. there is something frightening both about the idea of uh, sort of sl- slowly losing your mind, but also mm-hmm. about um, sort of being victim to someone else doing that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and the remoteness of it, which I I think that plays into a lot of horror films. Hundred um, percent, easily one of my favorites. I I would say my other and maybe uh, not everyone else's favorite but the original 1973 wicker man um, oh. uh is i i one of my favorite movies of all time uh mm-hmm. and but but what genuinely does frighten me about it is um it basically uh being an outsider that is sacrificed for one um and mm-hmm. also uh uh Masks. I have a, a deep fear mm. of masks. I I can't deal with people wearing mm-hmm. masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is is there are there ways for me to get better in this?
1: I think. Well, no. I think I think you hit on a good point about the masks. Um, and it's something that I I think about. With I think a lot of today's horror movies can learn from is what's scary. It's important to recognize why the masks are scary. And to me, I think it's that what's scary is the is is ambiguity it's the idea that you could see something um look at it and not know what you're looking at um and when there's that bit of ambiguity you have to sort of put your own um fears you have to project that onto the thing so take the shark and jaws you do see something you know for most of the film you see little bits here and there you understand it's a shark but your brain is doing the rest uh, a lot of early horror films like Halloween, there's actually not as much violence as you think. You see the knife move, you see the person scream and everything, but it's shot in such a way that you put that ambiguity on. And then the last example I'll give is is um, I think Nope, uh, Jordan Peele's most recent movie, was all about that. It was about them looking up into the clouds and you see something and it's vague and it's ambiguous and you can't read it. Um, And that's a movie all about eye contact. That's one of the biggest ideas is making eye contact with something and, and the sort of animalistic feelings that might bring out these primal feelings of, of fear or or rage or anxiety or anything like that. And so I think uh, maybe understanding what, why are you making the masks scary Mm. um, is, is maybe a good place to start. I don't know. Maybe you're in, maybe you're in therapy.
0: Uh, No, not currently, but um, I, I, what I am in is sort of a, Exposure therapy, which is, of course, why the gotcha arm is going off. Um, oh, oh, yeah, God. They, uh, you know, if you're talking about sort of uh, unseen monsters. Um, uh, and this is an audio format, so you can't see uh, the prank guest that I'm about to introduce. You know, Nick, if you're so good at horror movies, you should be able to help our special guest. Not so acclaimed uh, B-movie horror actor Michael Meyer get better at horror movies as well i michael uh, um i i know a little bit of your work just because uh gene my producer told me a bit about movies you've been in i think b-movie is really overselling it i um i think you're probably much lower than b-movie
2: uh well thank you first of all Cameron for having me and second of all yes my real name is Michael Meyer that is why I am into horror movie acting um you are a bit correct there um none of my films have reached the cinemas most of them are straight to DVD or straight to streaming service but uh we kind of have to burn the DVDs ourselves and uh, we did kind of create our own little streaming service as well um but some of my uh Most uh, notable roles. Um, One was uh, A Demir on Oak Avenue, which was a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. I played um, Freddy Krueger in that role. Um, We just spelled the name differently. Another one of my roles was in uh, Will Clinton, Monster Hunter. I was not Will Clinton. I was uh, cast as monster number two, uh, the second (laughs) one to be killed um, in the film. Um, One of my other films was, ah, the monsters are here. Um I was monster number 2 in that one as well. Um most of my roles tend to be cast as the monster. Um specifically the ugly ones. I'm not 100% sure as why that tends to occur, but uh yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how my career's gone up to this point.
0: Well, uh uh Michael or Mike is it okay if I call you Mike?
2: Yeah, that that's fine, yeah.
0: Um uh Mike, it's sort of the purpose of this podcast is to get better at the topic. And so we're getting better at horror movies um, with an expert on horror movies. Uh, Nick Renato is here. Um, uh, do you have any questions that maybe Nick can help you improve at horror movies, um, maybe in a different way than I'm improving?
2: Yes, yeah, so, um, so I do like acting in these um, horror films. But um, the, the issue is I do tend to get – cast as the hideous monster and i like to expand um, the roles that I play so I guess um, one question uh, to Nick is maybe um, maybe if you can give um an impersonation of uh, your favorite horror film actor I mean or character that is not the monster any character that is not the monster and maybe um, give some tips as to how I can embody that as well <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay sure
2: uh i, I just want to start off by saying
1: uh mike uh, i'm a big fan of your work um you. i i find it in the kmart bargain bin all the time and i you know a dollar per dvd you know i i can't even believe i emptied that out it's the kind of bin they put those big bouncy balls in and i'm just clearing it, it reaches out. the the kmart stores it really does yeah big you're you're in big box buddy you are um yeah an impersonation of of a non-monster character, uh, sure we can. You know we could keep we could keep it on The Shining, I'd say. Um, and so I'll give you a little bit of Shelley Duvall. Um, maybe I, I could play with. So this this is a, a different. You're playing the victim here. You're playing the scared wife or partner, what have you, of the murderous, monstery man. So this this is this is uh, Shelley Duvall.
2: Please, Jack! No, please, Jack!
1: That was Shirley DeVall. Thank. You. Holy cow!
0: Wow, that was that was I, inspiring. To to me, what was interesting was, about was the, that good. It was pretty
1: good. I, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I've never done that before. What,
0: what I would also say is that, like, uh, and maybe this is something that you can take, Mike, to help you get better as well. Is that, I, while that while the monster quote-unquote, was not present there, I still found myself getting scared of whatever it was that Shelley was scared of. mm mm-hmm. um, Do you think that this is something that you could apply to your horror movie non-monster acting?
2: Oh, definitely. Um, as the monster, I'm usually um, used to being the one scaring the others. Um, so being the one that is scared would definitely help me um, get land some other roles. Mm-hmm.
0: Nick, how did the, what, what did you use to influence that, um, performance? Uh, maybe, maybe something that Mike could, uh, draw on for a future audition. Uh, you had mentioned, uh, to Gene that you had some auditions for, um, non-monster roles in the future, Mike. So, uh, maybe, uh, these
2: are, uh, what Nick has to suggest here could be helpful for those auditions. Uh, yes, m- most definitely. Um, one of my, uh, auditions coming up, actually, is um, guy number one. Um, I'm just supposed to be the guy who screams in the beginning of the film when the monster appears in the background.
1: Um, mm. So maybe
2: I can use some of that um, screaming techniques for that role. Yeah.
1: Um, well, you want to, especially if you're going for for guy number... The, the guy, you know, you have the horror movie tropes. Guy number one is a, is a very classic trope, because uh, unnamed first kill uh, always always has this, the best line reading you could ever imagine. Um, so you got, I mean, I know this is like an audio medium, but just imagine, give the biggest facial expressions you could possibly give that don't even, even in the presence of Satan himself would be like, that's a little much. And then if you give the line, like if the line is something like, Oh God, he's right behind me. Give it, take two accents, put them in a box, jumble them together and then you know, open the box and like shoot it out sort of like Yahtzee. Just give it like a like a oh God, he's right behind me. And then Wow. It'll you know, cut right to the title card from your screaming face. And people are gonna be looking at the title card, but they're not gonna be reading it. They're gonna be thinking, What the hell was that? And you know what? That's memorable. That's memorable. People are gonna keep you in their mind. If the movie's a cult classic later on, you're gonna get cosplayed the hell and back. Promise you.
0: Do you, do you want to give that uh, a go, uh, Mike? Maybe take two accents, mix them together, give us yes. that line read of, uh, um, oh, God, he's right behind me.
2: Okay, oh, God, he's right behind me. Okay, let's go. Okay, um, three, two, one. Oh, God, he's right behind me. Oh, okay, Uh, I think I think that was mm. good. Uh, that well, was a good start, I might, yeah. yeah. I think that might land me a role. You got something, monster. kid. No, uh, no.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you have any... Um. Well, you, actually... Let me just take a step back. Uh, One of the things that, um, you know, this this show is about helping our guests get better. But it's really about me getting better. Um, So I I do want to bring it back to me a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I I have optimal ways that I... uh, I used to have an optimal way that I watched horror movies. When I really got into horror, uh, I had like special ways that I would only watch horror films in this way, which was that I would only w- start watching it after uh, after dark. Um, no one could be at the house at the time. I had to be alone, um, and uh, I-, I couldn't uh, contact anyone. Um, and most importantly, I had to have one means of. Uh, uh entrance into my house uh unlocked. Mm-hmm. I had to know that that was the case. Um do you have is, is this an optimal way to watch a horror movie um uh do, you, uh do you are there any other suggestions
1: you might add on top of it? And I'll yeah. send that
0: to Nick first, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean I would say just do it in the, in the darkest room possible. Do it um with the sound up as loud as you can. And if you're going to watch it with someone else, that's fine. Uh, depending on the horror movie. If it's a horror movie you want to get scared at, that person needs to be watching the goddamn screen, right? Um, if they're speaking, you know, there's a, there's a level to where it's, it's nice and it adds to it to be like, oh, don't go up there, don't go up there. But at a certain point, you're calling out everything that could possibly happen on screen at any given time. takes away from the, the experience. If it's more of a culty, funny, you know, kind of over-the-top movie, yeah, a whole crew of friends, slice. You know, big, big thing of pizza. Um, that could really make the moment. Got it.
0: Well, and um, maybe to you, Mike, is there an optimal way to be in a horror movie, in your experience?
2: Um, So I would say the best way to be in a horror movie is to make sure you can embody um, the characters, embody the way that they're feeling, whether that's the monster, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm more used to, or the person who's getting killed in the first scene. It doesn't really matter who it is. You just need to make sure you're trying to feel how they're feeling. So Mm -hmm. they're about to get killed. You put yourself in the mindset of, oh, no, there's a huge monster right in front of me, and I'm about to get killed. And -hmm. then you're perfectly there. You're halfway there to being a star, mm-hmm.
1: and also put your damn phone away. Put it away. That is like getting on a roller coaster and being on your phone. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like it's it's. It, it, these are not films where you can simply just listen along every now and then, and then and then look on the screen when you need to. No, it it is directed for your eyes. It's it's like hearing a joke without the punt without the premise and just hearing the punchline it's not going to hit.
2: Yeah, All I right. definitely agree with that. Put the phone away. I like to sometimes pause the film in between scenes to try and reenact the scene as every single character myself. Mm-hmm. If you have a group even better. Um but definitely phones not not allowed during the horror movie watching. Mm-mm. Uh,
0: Is that also the case for um, the horror movie performance as well? Put your phones away or or do you find that the phone helps you in your roles as uh, these, you know, Freddy Krueger spelled differently or um, monster number two?
2: Um, well, I like to have the phone on me in case I need to make a phone call um, telling someone about a new role I got or a role that I was uh, unfortunately sent away from. But um, I also sometimes use it to uh, read my lines because I forget them during mm. the auditions. But otherwise, sure. um, the phone doesn't come into play.
0: Or, and I guess maybe uh, for podcast recordings as well, you have your phone for those. Oh, you're, yes, definitely. Because you're, you're on set right now, is my understanding.
2: Oh yes, of course. I need my phone um for audio, video, all that stuff as well. Um, right now I'm on a break from uh, filming, um, so.
0: What? What? Yeah. Uh, are you, can you tell What's us anything film? about the current project? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um, I was supposed to be uh, the monster. It was the film itself is called Urksha uh That's the name of the monster, but I was actually um cast as the understudy so i'm just kind of sitting around and uh waiting if uh the main actor gets you know something happens to him
1: who's the main actor
2: uh i'm not aware of that i don't like to to know Hmm. who is above me interesting um sort of speaking to that
0: unseen horror um... i heard it was
1: chris pratt
0: oh no Mm -hmm. well yeah that's only making it more frightening for michael um well uh you know, we're we're coming near time. Um uh, I I we've talked a lot about what makes good horror. Um I'm uh interested to know maybe Nick you can help Mike get better on uh, the set here of Urksaburk by telling him what makes bad horror.
1: So what mm. you should be avoiding. Mm, that's a good point. Um what makes bad horror capital B? Capital B bad, like something that I would say is, is not good horror. Um I would say I would say even oh, not but, entertaining. Not entertaining, not watchable. Yeah. Oh, you know what it is. You know, okay, I think I got it. It's taking it's taking the thing too damn seriously. You can have a smart film, you can have an elevated film if you want. Give it a give it a whole A24 treatment. Fine. But there's a there is a line there's a line when you start acting like the Wendigo that you're playing, the the giant sort of horned snake thing that you're playing, the whatever a blurk, even. the the Blurk that you're playing if you get too up your own ass about it, it's not fun. It's not fun. Even Tony Collette, right? Very very uh, her- in hereditary. Very, you know, ooh, it's an elevated quote-unquote movie and everything like that. Her performance is iconic the faces she's giving and serving are iconic everything she's doing is iconic she's it's fun there's there's fun in it there's playfulness right it's like you're get your inner child but that inner child has to be an absolute weirdo and let that person play around um and and anything else anything but and then you get a snooze fest uh,
0: that's i think incredible advice um mike uh you know, I think we we all know that Chris Pratt really sort of uh, um, just sinks into his roles and just doesn't think about anything mm-hmm. else, certainly doesn't have fun on set. He's the Daniel
1: Day-Lewis um, of our generation.
0: Do, would you mind maybe giving us uh, a line reading of um, one of the lines in Irk Zablerk, Uh but put some fun in it to mm-hmm. show us that you could do it better than Chris? Uh-huh.
2: Oh, yes, of course. Um, so, yeah, the monster does uh, speak English in the film. Um Contrary to his confusing name. So yes, yeah, so let me get uh, one of the lines for you. Um let me see. It's one of the lines where uh the monster is about to attack guy number three. Okay.
0: Ah I'm gonna kill you.
2: I think uh I think that's better than Chris Pratt, definitely.
0: Do you think uh, you had fun with that?
2: I definitely did. I think I one embodied the character, but I was able to not get too far up my ass about it. Unlike Chris Pratt. Nick, do you agree? Oh, I think, I think, I think you're going to get
1: Garfield after this.
2: Oh yes. Mm
1: -hmm. You're going to take that away. You're going to be the new Mario in super Mario brothers Two. Um, well, no, you got... branch out of horror films, even better for mm-hmm. my career. No, this is it. I think this is it. Well, it's going to be a Luigi's Mansion movie, so it's going to be a little connected, but that's your bounce out. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Then they put you in the larger Super Mario Brothers universe, and you'll be great.
2: Oh,
0: God. Wonderful. Well, uh, we we are sort of here at the end. Um, uh, Mike, it's been great having you on. You know, good luck on the set of Irk Sablerk, Um uh, Yes. And uh, in your future endeavors. Um,
2: yes, thank you. I will let Chris Pratt know that I should be arc sub Thank you.
0: Um, uh, well, Nick, it, it's been great having you on the show. I, I do sort of feel like I've gotten better at horror movies, and uh, you know, really the goal of this is for me to be the best at everything, and I still mm-hmm. sort of feel like you might be a little bit better, so um, maybe I'll get a, a better prank next time to um, bring you down to size some more. Um, sure, like, sure. Uh,
1: Hey no but it it was it was an honor to meet uh the great um and legendary Mike Myers. Uh Michael Meyer. Michael Meyer. Michael yeah. Meyer. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. S-
0: uh, singular. Um well maybe on this point um I'm always trying to get better but you know we're also trying to improve the show. What could have gone better about this episode?
1: Um more women. It was kind of a sausage fest, I'm going to be honest, and I feel like in 2023 uh we should just be doing a better job of that. So do better. But, fair enough. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you not, don't need to apologize right now. It's fine. I mean, just you're already, you know, canceled. So.
0: Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the other thing that we have is a tagline <laughs> that we end every episode with. Currently it is, and I'm going to need a second to say this. Paul will call you later tonight, darling. And I'm having a bath right now. And that's, uh, Paul will call you later tonight, darling. And I'm having a bath right now with a mixture of Scottish and Texas accents. (laughs) Um, We ask our guests to improve that tagline by adding to it, subtracting to it, changing it in any way that they would like to. uh, And we'll close the episode with that.
1: Can you say it one more time? (laughs) Uh,
0: I'll say this. Not in the same way I did, but I'll try my best. Paul will call you later tonight. Darlin', and I'm having a bath right right
1: now. Okay, I got to get it go. Paul will call you later tonight, darling. and I'm having a bath right now. My fingers are wrinkled like prunes. Because he's been in the bath too long. Okay, uh,
0: and it sounded like you stuck mostly with Scottish and maybe went a little bit uh, more uh, English there at the end. I think
1: at the end. <laughs> Is
0: that should I should I get rid of this Texas and just make I didn't, it Scottish? Uh, to be honest, and I didn't. English? I didn't
1: really hear the Texas to begin with. I was mostly okay. hearing. Scottish. Wonderful.
0: Um, well, Nick, I've loved talking to you, and I'm sure the audience has loved listening to you. Um, where can they hear more of you, see more of you?
1: Yeah, uh, I host a, um Oh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at nick.hornado. I'm a comic in Brooklyn. I also host an open mic uh, and occasional show, storytelling show called Camp Fire Tales. You can follow us at camp.firetales on Instagram. Uh,
0: Wonderful. Uh, Well, uh, thanks so much for being on the show, Nick. Uh, And thank you so much for listening, dear listener. This has been Everyone's Better Than Me with Cameron Lindsay. Our theme music was composed and recorded by Caleb Ritchie. You can find us on social media by searching for Everyone's Better Than Me podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Please share the show with your friends, subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks so much to Jared Cruz for helping with the prank in today's episode. You can get in contact with me with questions or topics that you'd like to see me get better at by emailing everyone'sbetterthanme at gmail.com. And as we say at the end of just this episode... Paul will call you later tonight, darling, and I'm having a bath right now. My fingers are wrinkled like prunes. Thanks for listening.